Hello and welcome to the At Sea Level podcast brought to you by Intelligent Briefings, a Lynchpin Media brand. My name is Jess Phillips, Director of Strategic Content at Lynchpin Media and this is the podcast where we speak to technology chiefs about how they're making waves in the industry, chatting to them about their career journey so far, their management style and how they're planning for what's yet to come. Today we are welcoming Haida Pasha, Senior Director and Chief Security Officer at Palo Alto Networks for the Middle East and Africa. Within this role, Haida is responsible for elevating the company's regional profile in the security sector, expanding its visibility and credibility. He joined Palo Alto Networks in 2018 and has more than 20 years of experience in the cybersecurity sector, having held several senior positions with a range of organisations including Symantec and Cisco Systems. He's skilled at strategically guiding his business partners and customers to address challenging security issues. His successes come from being able to bind advanced technical concepts to commercial, people and process requirements while maintaining a balanced perspective with the business objective in mind. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon for you. Can you give us a little overview of what your typical day looks like in your job role, please? Sure. Um, and just again, by way of introduction, my name is Heather Pasha. I'm the Chief Security Officer for Palo Alto Networks. Uh, Palo Alto is a leading cybersecurity company. Um, and my role as a CISO or a Chief Security Officer is that of um, one that basically looks at working very closely with our top clients across the region that I cover, uh, which is primarily emerging markets. So that's Middle East and Africa, Eastern Europe and Russia. And um, one of the key things that I do is a really sit down and work with my counterparts in our top clients, the CISOs, the CIOs, um, and really kind of help them craft sort of a, a long-term strategic roadmap for the future for their organization. So a lot of times, uh, and as I'm sure everybody that's listening in has probably seen as well in the course of the last couple of years, um, is that we're seeing a massive transformation towards digital um, in virtually every industry. So my job is to help organizations move on that digital journey, but do it secure. Um, and really advise on sort of best practices and, and you know, what the sort of the do's and don'ts of cybersecurity, if you will. Thank you. One of my questions that was going to come a little bit later, but is actually relevant to what you just said is, how do you kind of tailor your approach to different clients across different parts of the region? Do you need to and how do you do it? Yeah, it's a great question. I think we, I've, again, as, as you rightly said, there are different types of clients. I mean, we deal as a company, of course, and, and specifically within the region, we have uh, clients from the public sector, which is government uh, ministries, um, you know, to uh, sort of a mid-tier type of customers who are primarily is just about starting out on the digital journeys or are in the process of digital journeys, but don't have the resources from a cybersecurity perspective to really invest in people. Um, and then, of course, we have those large enterprise organizations that are, in most cases, very private organizations that have large teams, but are, again, uh, on a transformation journey themselves in terms of what they need to do for their business in the long term. Um, and so we cater to each one differently. Um, you know, they, there's a, this whole approach of trying to understand the customer, trying to understand what is it that their business is really focused on, um, or of course, if it's a public sector, then what, what types of services do they want to offer for their citizens, as an example. Um, but really to sit back and listen, I think it's really the first key uh, view in terms of how we support them. Um, and then based on all the 
you know, 80, 90,000 customers we have around the world. We take a lot of those best practices and then we help share that with our clients and make sure that they understand that they're not alone in the journey that they've taken um, and that there are approaches and, and lessons learned that they can, they can use um, as they sort of customize their own, uh, you know, journey. Brilliant. Thank you. Let's go back a little bit then. Let's talk mm-hmm. about your career, Jenny. What are some of the big moments that have led to okay. where you are today? Yeah, um, so I've been in the cybersecurity industry now. Um, I, I've kind of lost count a little bit, but it's been definitely more than 20 years. Um, I began my journey uh, back in the Silicon Valley Bay area. Um, so I graduated from, you know, from college uh, in Indiana. I went to Purdue. I did a, a, my a computer science degree there. Um, and then I immediately joined Cisco. Um, and, uh, you know, the Cisco and now a lot of other companies also have the similar program, but Cisco had a, had a great program back then called the associate systems engineering program. So what they essentially do is they take top talent out of universities, train them up for six months to a year, and then essentially put them out in the field, really faced in front of customers and helping customers solve their most difficult challenges. Um, So here I am, you know, fairly young guy sitting at the offices of eBay. And uh, my, I think it was my second day of my job and, and, and uh, you know, waiting in the lobby. And they kept us waiting for more than an hour. And I'm sitting with my senior engineer, of course, who is kind of my mentor at the same time. Um, and somebody from eBay kind of rushes in and says, you know, Cisco, we're being attacked uh, through a cyber threat. Can you guys help us? And I remember that picture uh, where I kind of walk in and everyone's kind of working around their computer monitors. And we're looking at where the attacks are coming from or the IP addresses they're hitting and the fact that eBay has actually gone down for, you know, another hour, or I think it was almost two hours back then. Um, And this is early 2000s. If you remember the dot-com bubble back then, it was just everybody was moving towards e-commerce. And so for eBay to go down, we're talking about millions of dollars of worth of damages, essentially, which is essentially what they reported the very next day, or I think the day after, in terms of what that downtime cost them. So I, I was hooked, you know, for me, cybersecurity was that key element of what I really wanted to do. And so since then, I kind of specialized in cybersecurity using, you know, the various certifications at Cisco. I stayed with them for about almost 14 years or 15 years, uh, transferred back to Dubai, which is home for me uh, within the company, did various roles as, uh, you know, a leader managing the uh, systems engineering organization, as well as a CTO for the region. Then I joined Symantec, which is a, a well known for as an antivirus company, but, uh, you know, they were also evolving themselves back then. Spent about five years at Symantec as their chief technology officer for the same region. And then Palo Alto now, um, just about crossing three years, um, you know, with the company as a CISO. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. When we look back over the last year or even more, so it's been quite a turbulent time for a lot of organizations with the pandemic hitting, changing the way that workforces operate. If we could go back in time, how do you think the security industry might have better prepared for the business implications of COVID-19 or what lessons do you think have been learned? Yeah, um, uh, again, very good question. I think uh, there's, a, there's a lot of lessons to be learned in terms of, um, you know, around the time the pandemic struck and then how cybersecurity teams reacted versus the IT teams versus the business. Um, so uh, in, in those early days of the pandemic, when the lockdowns began, um, 
I, I think for the most part, uh, there were many businesses that were not ready for this whole shift of work from home. Right? A lot of CIOs and CISOs had not prepared to actually have connect not just 10 to 15% of their workforce, but actually almost 90 to 100% of their workforce to work from home. So there was a lot of sort of initial um, uh, teething, if you will, of, of you know, uh, CIOs and CISOs going out, purchasing new hardware, purchasing new licenses to even do simple things like virtual private networking or VPNs, you know, for employees to connect back into the offices. Um, so that was sort of the, the early stages. And what that essentially did was it created a lot of bottlenecks for the network, you know. And so um, when, when you haven't catered to have so pretty much your entire workforce connected from the outside in, that creates a lot of challenges on the network bandwidth and all sorts of other areas as well. So from a cybersecurity perspective, I think what they could have done better is they could have probably planned um, for something along the lines of not necessarily a pandemic, but uh, disaster recovery. You know, there's a lot of disaster recovery plans that essentially became activated and many companies did fall short. You know, they weren't really ready or they hadn't really tested their disaster recovery plans as, as well as they should have. And that's where cybersecurity and IT and the partnership between the CIO and the CISO really became relevant. Um, and now if I look forward, you know, I guess about 20 months or so into the pandemic um, and when speaking with CIOs and CISOs on a regular basis, what I am hearing is that, you know, the, the CIO and CISO relationship has really become a lot stronger, both uh, between themselves as well as to the board of directors. You know, the board is now actually looking for the CIOs and the CISOs to really help them lead the business, you know, versus, you know, two years ago where they were essentially people coming in reporting on, hey, we caught this, you know, attack or, hey, we caught this, uh, you know, a new IT project, which really didn't interest them as much. But today they really want to understand how can we use digital to further enhance our business and how, how can we truly provide uh, an increase in revenue using uh, uh, digital means. Sounds like you've seen a little bit of a shift then in terms of the yep. way that the wider C-suite and the board kind of take advice and guidance from their CISOs and CIOs. Yep. What would be your, you know, for those that might still be struggling to get their message across, what would be your advice for CISOs on, on communicating their area of expertise and getting that buy-in and budget from, from the C-suite and the board? Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of discussions right now around CISOs almost unteaching and teaching themselves as well as the board. Um, and so what that basically means is, you know, the, the board has a certain level of perception around cybersecurity. They've always had that. Um, but what the CISOs or the smart CISO does is they essentially walk in front of the, uh, the, the board and they try and quantify the business risks um, that would exist if you know, they did not take action against something. Um, so if there is a new cybersecurity project, my advice for the CISO is to make sure that you've quantified that business risk and then don't take it to the board as a, here's a fancy new, you know, endpoint or a firewall or something that I want to deploy. It's here's a business risk that we have or the gap that we've identified. And if we don't take action, um, this is a potential risk that it could have to the bottom line. Um, and if you're able to quantify and able to speak that language, I think the board tends to, really, um, uh, you know, open open up the purses a little bit and, and, and really uh, want to be um, better involved in that entire in, entire scenario. So so that's really the, my first advice is, is to make sure that um, you understand the language and, and that you can quantify the risk. Um, the second is uh, we're, we're seeing this shift of organizations kind of thinking about best of breed, you know. So um, in the cybersecurity industry, again, when I began my career uh, 20 plus years ago in the Bay Area, 
Um, there's a very famous cybersecurity conference that takes place for all cybersecurity professionals. It's called the RSA Cybersecurity Conference. Um, and back then, you know, I remember my first RSA conference, and they're based, it's up, based up in San Francisco. So the first one I attended had roughly about 50 or so cybersecurity vendors. Obviously, Cisco was there and, and a few others kind of usual suspects. Um, and I've religiously attended almost every single RSA conference in the last 20 plus years. Um, and the last one we had physically was back in 2020 in February, right before the pandemic uh, really kicked off. Um, and I remember up in San Francisco when I walked into those halls, they had registered about 3,500 cybersecurity vendors. And I normally travel there with a sort of a consortium of fellow CISOs and, and sort of colleagues in the industry. And I remember them all kind of telling me that it's just too confusing now. You know, there's just so many vendors, there's so many things to look at. There's so many niches, they don't know where to focus. So I guess my second advice to, to the CISO community is, um, don't think about best of read, think about best of integrated. Right? And make sure that as you're building your strategy, that you're focused on uh, working with, you know, not 20 or 30 or, you know, 50 cybersecurity vendors, which is generally the average right now in terms of most organizations uh, in their environments. But pick your top two, maybe even three cybersecurity key partners that can help you draft a, a long-term strategic uh, roadmap. Uh, and the ones that are good and the ones that will understand and, and will want to listen, will be the ones I think that will that will support the CISO and vice versa. Interesting, thank you. What about for, for those that might be aspiring to be CISOs one day, um, what are some of the key qualities that you think are needed for that role or a C, CIO, obviously quite different roles, but what, what yep. are some of the key qualities? Yeah, um, I, I think... Uh, you know, for for the uh, for the most part, uh, we don't have enough of them. So, you know, I would I would highly encourage anybody that's not thinking about, or if anyone you know young enough is listening in, um, and you're considering a career change, or or you know looking at uh, you know what uh, uh, degree to get, I would highly recommend cybersecurity because not only is it an exciting um, and a constantly evolving uh, uh, industry, but uh, but you tend to learn literally every day. I mean, I've been teaching myself every single day since the I started in this industry, uh, which it can't be said for many others. So, um, uh, in terms of uh, in, in terms of key advice, I, uh, you know, as I said uh, right now, I think constantly learning, I think constantly teaching yourself, and, and, and almost sort of unteaching and teaching yourself is a really important aspect of the job. Um, you know, there is no such thing as a status quo when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, and for the CIO, uh, and for those that are looking at IT projects, also try and understand that there can be no uh, digital transformation for your business without cybersecurity. So it's a hand-in-hand -hand thing that, that really has to work well as a partnership. Um, uh, as a leader, I think, you know, you, you really have to kind of oscillate between kind of the four stages of leadership. You know, there are certain things that you will delegate at times. There's certain cases where you're going to support. There's certain cases you need to coach and there's certain cases you're going to direct. But I don't think one person fits in one category. I think as an individual and especially as a CISO, you've got to be able to swing, you know, across that pendulum to say, you know, there are uh, there are times I need to partner with the business and, you know, I understand I may not get what I want, but I need to educate them as much as possible. And there are other times where you need to direct and coach your teams to work better with uh, the, the rest of the business and with other teams, you know, within your organization. So it's 
it's a great job to have um, as a CISO. Of course, it's high pressure, as you can imagine, because, you know, God forbid, if you get hit, then there, there are other ramifications for it. Uh, but if you've done your due diligence and if you've done your planning and if you've worked closely and, and you've selected sort of the right uh, strategy, then really, I think it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic place to be. Always different. Every day is different, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> Every day is different, and 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 you know the and and the funny thing is we're we're kind of talking about the defender community, right? So that's which is us, the CISOs, the CIOs. Um, we haven't just talked about the attacker community because they're constantly evolving themselves as well. You know, we're starting to see uh, we've got a team in in Palo Alto Networks called Unit Forty Two, and this is a team of very talented threat analysts. So their job in the company is to really go out and look at adversary groups around the world um, and research them, understand what their tactics, techniques, and procedures are and really share that information openly with our customers. And again, we don't charge for that as a service. But what Unit 42 has been looking at in the last couple of years, especially is that these attack groups are becoming a lot more uh, automated. Um, you know, they're not using human beings, they're actually using machines to generate attacks. Um, and the types of attacks and the, and the uh, sophistication of those attacks continue to increase. While on the defender side, we're still stuck in this world of, do I even want to share my intelligence with my competitor? Uh, you know, the, the attackers are openly sharing, you know, the latest attack that they've created with all of their, uh, you know, colleagues in, in, in their respective industries. So um, that's a mindset shift that I think also needs to take place in our industry. And do you think the it's become more of a collaborative industry? Because I remember having a conversation with a CISO a few years ago, and it was, we need to be more collaborative. We're all quite scared of these threats that are coming up coming for us but if they come for someone else then they're not going to come for us so yeah. has it become more collaborative over time yeah i mean jess i'd love to say yes uh <laughs> you know but but i can tell you there are certain industries that still don't collaborate as much as they should right so um it, when it comes to the financial services industry as an example they have become a lot more collaborative um the airline industry is another one uh the oil and gas is another one uh but in other industries such as perhaps public sector maybe not so much maybe the governments don't want to share the threat intelligence with each other for you know whatever political reasons or gain that they believe they might have um so it's it's not consistent across every industry. Um, what, what I can tell you is that the level of awareness for cybersecurity has definitely increased. Um, so it's not just about uh, you know somebody who wants a firewall or an endpoint software on their desktops um, or a bump in the wire, as many people used to think. Uh, you know uh, they do see cybersecurity as a business enabler, and they do see, and especially where you have those sort of smart CISOs, they do see that there is a language that's being spoken around how business resilience resilience can only be uh, achieved through cyber resilience. And so that's, a, that's an area that I think a lot of people have caught up on at this point. Absolutely. The next section of the podcast is what we call getting down to business. And it's where we have a look at how you're planning your strategy for the future or the next year. What would you say are some of the key goals for you in your role in the coming 12 months? You know, it's an interesting question because when I when I look at my goals as a CISO, they're very much aligned with what we see the rest of uh, my peers in the, in, in the industry look at as well. So as any CISO, I think the, the first thing we have to do is always take a step back and look at our current scenario in terms of where we are. And where we are today is in a world where um, we are seeing an increase of digital transformation across pretty much every industry, as I said in the beginning. Um, and we're seeing an increase in both in terms of bandwidth as well as digital solutions that companies and organizations generally want to deliver. On top of that, we're seeing sort of the shift 
to the cloud, you know, and, and even in a place like the, the UAE or, or the Middle East region, uh, you know, the, it is still a shift that is happening. You know, we're in the early stages or I don't, won't call it early, but relative to the US and Europe, we are in the early stages, but it is happening. We're seeing major cloud service providers um, roll out data centers like Microsoft and Google and, and uh, Amazon. Um, and so eventually we will reach to a point where securing our data on the cloud not only is top of mind, it's the only approach for most businesses in the future. And so, um, again, cloud is a key aspect. And then the third aspect is, of course, how do you continue coming out of this pandemic to ensure that you can still provide security uh, consistently and securely for your end users, whether they're sitting at a coffee shop, whether they're sitting at home or whether they're sitting at the office. And so uh, keeping those three kind of key trends in mind, you know, uh, uh, my strategy is really focused around a building a, a sort of a single um, uh, integrated platform, which allows uh, not one or two perhaps even three or four cybersecurity vendors to really work together with um, because there is no one cybersecurity vendor that, that can do it all, right? So, so really working on building a strategy with, a, with really a small or a handful of cybersecurity vendors that looks across all of the various domains that I have to protect for my organization, but do it in a cost-optimized way, right? So, so do it in a way where I can look at consolidating vendors, I can look at increasing my total cost of ownership, I can think about the quantified business risks that I talked about earlier, and I can look very seriously at automation to help drive safe cost. So that's the first element of the strategy. The second is the understanding that we are no longer in this um, digital transformation kind of phase for our business, that we are actually not digitally transforming, we're digitally evolving. Right? And, and so for our business, um, whether it's Palo Alto as a company or whether it's many of the industries that I speak to and CISOs that I speak to, they may, their concern isn't just about uptime and resilience. They're now more worried about the changing regulations in the local countries uh, or the industries that they work with, uh, adopting some of these new services like cloud and, and uh, internet of things as an example and uh, uh, artificial intelligence in many cases as well. So really building on a, on a strategy for digital evolution, I think is really critical. And that comes in partnership with the CIO or the CTO of the organization. And then the last key focus, and by no means the least, but the last key focus is speed and agility. How do I provide the right level of innovation uh, or uh, through uh, you know uh, security and and how can I allow the business to continue to innovate and apply new services, new digital solutions for their customers, for the channel, their supply chain, you know the employees, and do it in a secure manner. Um, and and what kind of collaboration techniques do I need to have? What type of on-demand IT services do I need to secure? All of those are kind of important for me to consider and do it in a way where it's as simple as possible, you know, not have to worry about 50 different cybersecurity vendors, but actually build a partnership and a consortium of perhaps three or four maximum and, and really build out a platform that works for me and uh, improves, for example, things like data quality, accessibility, and usability. I think all, all of those are kind of key elements of, of what that strategy should look like. So it's, 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 Exactly what Palo Alto is doing as a you know as a uh, cybersecurity leader, and this is actually what we are trying to help drive with uh, a lot of the CISOs that we speak to on a daily basis as well. Thank you. You mentioned earlier how there aren't enough CISOs. Do you think there's a way that the industry can better attract young people or or new people to the industry? And can you provide any insight into how you source talent for your team or Palo Alto in general? 
Sure. I, um, you know, uh, uh, awareness is a fantastic thing. I mean, if you can create awareness and do it in a creative manner, um, I think the younger generations um, will follow. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot to be said about um, what the current, uh, I've kind of lost the alphabet now, whether it's Gen X or Gen, <laughs> what, what Gen we're on. Uh, but but it, it's important. I mean, I have a five-year-old daughter, um, and, uh, you know, a son as well, who are both very young and they've got their iPads in front of them and they're interested, you know, about what dad does for work. Uh, and so when I sit them down and try and explain to them, you know, what a hacker is and, and, and what a defender is and kind of go through that, they're fascinated, you know. And so I think having those types of conversations and having the, the ability to actually communicate and, and um, creatively explain and as well as create some awareness with the younger generation is, I think, is really important. But to answer your question at Palo Alto, what we've been doing is we've created this um, cybersecurity academy for, you know, these use cases. I mean, we've got uh, a set of curriculum for children above the age of five, um, you know, which again, my kids are going through themselves as well. And these are just small videos and cartoons that, you know, they can watch and, and really kind of educate themselves about the do's and don'ts of, uh, you know, going online as an example. Uh, but then we have more um, uh, advanced courses for university programs as well. So we have a cyber training academy um, and we work uh, with Without any cost, we work with uh, various uh, uh, universities around the world where we can actually help them build uh, an entire branch of curriculum for cybersecurity. Um, and we advise on what that curriculum should look like. We advise on, uh, we actually share our content with them. And it's not a Palo Alto you know, pitch by any means. It's a cybersecurity best practices or cybersecurity courses uh, you know, that we share with them. And we give them licenses for free uh, of our firewalls. If you want to build a lab as a university and you want your students to get educated on you know what a firewall should do and shouldn't do then you know there's some free licenses there that they can download and actually run so creating that awareness i think is really important um i i, I think as a practitioner um for cybersecurity, one of the things that's worked really well for me personally is mentorship. Um, you know, I do a lot of mentorship with uh, both uh, internally within the company to take sort of build out the next level of CISOs internally within the company, but then also externally. You know, I, uh, I do speak at a lot of universities around the region, um, and I do have a few people that uh, generally I would mentor, you know, uh, through a certain period of time in their career so that they can make a decision on what works best for them in the cybersecurity industry itself. Um, and I would encourage, you know, anyone that's listening in that has that level of knowledge around cybersecurity to, to please do that as well. I mean, currently we have, I think it's, Gartner says it's close to about 3 million people uh, in terms of a shortage for cybersecurity talent across the globe. And this will unfortunately only increase right now. So the more we can do as practitioners and, and um, as mentors and coaches, I think uh, the better. Thank you. So the final section of the podcast is where we hand over to you. You'll have roughly two minutes in against the clock where you can speak uninterrupted on your area of expertise or an area of cybersecurity that you're particularly passionate about. So the main thing to bear in mind is what one piece of advice you'd like to pass on to other CISOs or C-level executives. So when you're ready, I'll hand over to you and you'll have two minutes in against the clock. Perfect. Thank you so much. So thank, again, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. Um, so I, I, no, no fancy pitch here. I think, you know, I've been in the cybersecurity industry long enough to know that what as a CISO, what we really need are really three th key things. It's integration, it's automation, and it's simplicity. And, I, and if, as a CISO, I would highly encourage you to start looking at vendors, not as sort of uh, box 
pushers, but as key partners, right? And, and so uh, one of the key things that we deliver at Palo Alto is the ability to help integrate across your technology stack and not just integrate it, but actually automate uh, through various use cases um, that you would want to build in terms of services for your organization. So we'd love the opportunity to, to speak further about it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure Jess and, and the rest of the team will share our contact details with you. Um, but what I can tell you is as Palo Alto, and as you've probably heard in the news more recently, we are a world leading cybersecurity company and, and we, uh, we're there because we care very much about what our customers um, are, uh, are, are doing and, and we, we want to help and support them uh, in every way that we can. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your time. It's been really good to chat to you. You as well. Thanks so much for the time, Jess. Thank you. That sadly brings us to the end of this edition of At Sea Level. To our guest, Haida Pasha, CSO at Palo Alto Networks for the Middle East and Africa, thank you for joining us. And to our listeners, thanks once again for tuning in and we'll be back again very soon with the next instalment of At Sea Level.